0: The passage which was read from Matthew chapter 13, the verses 18 through 23. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground... This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches... Choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for it was sown on good soil, this is, what, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. <laughs> Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God. Is living. And active. Sharper than any two edged sword. Piercing to the division. Of soul and spirit. Of joints. And of marrow. And discerning the thoughts. And intentions. Of the heart. And. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Just before he wrote those incisive words... The writer of the letter to the Hebrews had warned his readers that they must not fall into the same disobedience as Israel of old had fallen into. And so, misentering the rest, that is, the land of rest, which Christ gives to his own. Israel's disobedience, he says, Was her refusal to listen to the word of the Lord. The word that had come to them by way of the ministry of Moses. But, I ask, but Jesus came. And the ministry of Jesus, he says. See, the ministry of Jesus is far superior to the ministry of Moses. After all, Moses ministered as a servant. But Jesus, Jesus ministers as Lord. That is why it is all the more important now to listen to the word of Jesus. For his authority is not that of a servant, but that of Lord. Lord of all. Now, it is in that context, you see, that we must understand what the writer of Hebrews then says about the word of God being living and active. Remember, he wrote those words after Jesus' ascension. In other words, he wrote those words after Jesus had been crowned with glory and honor. You see, the reason he wrote this to the church, to the Hebrew Christians of his day, the reason for his writing lies in the fact that he knew that not all, that not only the world out there, but that the members of the church also, the members of the new covenant in Christ's blood. Ah, yes, he knew that Christians were and are constantly threatened by the sin of disobedience. He knew that they, that we, face the sin of not really listening to and of doing the word of our God. Well, now that reality, namely that it is possible that members of the Church of Jesus Christ fall into the sin of outright disobedience to the Word of God, that's the thing that disturbed the writer of Hebrews to no end. And so he warned them, ah, yes, he pleads with them, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you away from the living God. Well now, against that background, I would like to listen with you to to the message of our text. The text for this morning, as you may have noticed, is a parable of the kingdom which Jesus told in his explanation for the reason for parables. You see, Jesus had been preaching the word of the Lord, the gospel of the kingdom in Israel. Ah, yes, he had done that for some time already. He had preached openly about the kingdom of heaven. To Israel, the covenant people of the Lord. He had preached to them sermons such as the Sermon on the Mount. Those sermons had been clear, straightforward proclamation of the word. And the people, it says, I oh yes, the people were astonished at his teaching. For for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. That, that was a wonderful and awesome testimony, right? But Jesus experienced also what the writer of Hebrews would later warn against. This. This. That people refused to receive the word preached to them. They refused to hear, that is, they refused to heed to do the word of the Lord. Oh, yes, there were many people who followed Jesus. The scribes and the Pharisees, for example, came out to hear him, to listen to what Jesus said. And great multitudes followed him as he traveled the land. Well, now, some followed him because they liked his miracles. Others followed him because they liked the way he spoke. But but only a few followed him because they really believed him, his word, his message. As a matter of fact... Israel's unbelief had come to a most defiant expression when the leaders of the people accused Jesus of doing his mighty works of healing by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. That's in Matthew 12. See, that is when Jesus began to speak to the people in parables. That is very clear from the opening verse of chapter 13, which says, That same day, Jesus went out of the house and told them many things in parables. Well now, a parable has been defined as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's okay as long as the earthly story is then understood correctly. The problem is, however, that all too often the earthly story is not at all understood, precisely because it is read or heard only as a story. Consequently, The meaning of the parable for this earth, if you will, I ask the meaning of the story for our living escapes the listener altogether. When you keep that in mind, the question of the disciples becomes clear. You see, they sensed it right away. There is something different in Jesus' preaching now. They sensed it. There is something more going on here than simply the telling of a story, a story we call the parable of the sower. That becomes clear from the question they asked Jesus. Why do you now... Speak to them in parables. Notice they did not ask, what is a parable? Because that they knew. The rabbis often taught the people with the use of parables. Think, for example, of the parable Nathan told David. Ah, yes, you can be very sure they knew what a parable was. But what they did not know, but they could not understand, is this. Why in the world did Jesus begin to speak in parables now? What was that all about? And what was he really telling the people with this parable of the sower? Well, again, that that rather lengthy introduction. I'm going to speak on the mystery of the kingdom as revealed in the parable of the sower. There are two thoughts as follows. The reason for parables in Jesus' preaching and the meaning of the parable of the sower. A parable often contains a message that is not immediately obvious to the listener. There is, if you will, there is something that is hidden in the story. The real point of the story is not immediately clear or noticeable. But the parable, because of its story line... Hold the attention of the listener. And the parable wants to force the listener to react. The listener, you, must ask, What does this story mean? Why is it being told? What does it say to me? Think for a moment of the parable Nathan told David. The story about the poor man who had only one ewe lamb and the rich man who had taken that lamb. Ah yes, the rich man had taken the poor man's one ewe lamb because he refused to use one of his own lambs, of which he had many, to prepare a meal for his unexpected guest. When David heard that story, remember, he was very angry. As the Lord lives, he said, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Well, as you know, that was exactly the reaction Nathan was looking for. Because, you see, that reaction permitted Nathan to drive home his message to David in an unforgettable way. You... David he said you are the man you stole the wife of Uriah his one ewe lamb if you will while you had many lambs many wives yourself and now Jesus has begun to speak in parables and see he too was looking for a response. He, too, wanted the people hearing him to ask, What is he saying to me? What does this mean for me? Because, you see, only by asking such a question would they understand something of the mystery of the kingdom of heaven only by asking what does this preaching of the word mean for me can the word preached be a savour of life unto life for the Hebrew, for us only so remember now at this point in his ministry, Jesus was confronted with an awesome, a frightening reality. This the multitudes who were at times thrilled by his speaking and at other times enraged because of the, of the word he spoke. See, the multitudes refused to ask themselves, what does his word mean for me? What does it say to me? See, that's when Jesus began to speak to them in parables. And to the puzzled question of his disciples as to why he was now doing that, Jesus answered, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. You hear it? That answer is more than a warning, it is a judgment. Jesus clearly distinguishes between his disciples and the multitudes that heard him. Think of it. Jesus says that his disciples have eyes that see and have ears that hear and hearts that understand. Oh no, they don't have that of themselves. It has been given to you, said Jesus. But the fact is, the disciples were beginning to grasp what is, in fact, the very heart and core, you could call it the mystery, the secret of the kingdom of heaven. This Christ. And his ministry are central to the kingdom of God. And therefore, without him, you have nothing at all. Never forget it. Without Christ, you have nothing. Although there were no doubt. Many things at this time that the disciples did not understand at all yet. As a matter of fact, they didn't understand what Jesus was saying about the secret of the kingdom in this parable. But but that troubled them. That's why they asked Jesus about it. And that is why Jesus explained the parable to them, point by point, But the multitude, see, the multitude neither understood nor did they ask for an explanation of the parable. And see, that refusal to ask, that ultimate complacency about Jesus and his word, that proved that the word spoken by Isaiah found its fulfillment in them. You understand? See, it had all happened before. I asked, it had happened before that covenant people had simply refused to give heed to the word of the Lord. That had happened also in the days of Isaiah. Remember? The people in Isaiah's day knew all about the Lord God and his covenant. Were they not children of Father Abraham? And they talked about God's love and about his forgiveness. Yes, they sloganeered about peace, peace. But but they refused to commit their ways their walk of life to the Lord. And they refused to listen to the prophet of the Lord, whom the Lord had sent to call his people, his children of the covenant, to faith and to repentance. When the Lord then called Isaiah to preach, see, then he commissioned Isaiah with these words, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and be healed." that word of the prophet isaiah jesus now quotes oh you can't miss it this was it is both a word of judgment and it is a word of warning but also this is a word of love this will be jesus last attempt To stir the people, to jolt them, to move them, to respond to him, to his preaching. Now they must ask, what? What does this mean? What is the Lord saying to me today? But the multitude. See, the multitude did not at all react. Oh yes, they heard the story Jesus told. A nice, an interesting story. A story they thought they understood. A story they thought had nothing really to say to them. They were satisfied, content, at ease with what they thought... They knew and understood about the word of the Lord. What more? What else could the Lord possibly have to say to them? So it is that seeing, they did not at all see, and that hearing, they did not hear thing neither did they understand once that is clear you understand what Jesus says in verse 12 what to the one who has more will be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away. Remember now, this was said to the children of God's covenant. This is said to the people with whom the Lord had dealt as he had not dealt with any other nation because he had made known to them his statutes, his word, which none of the other people even new. But, but if the people of the covenant, if those who are baptized, if we refuse to respond to the word of the covenant with faith and repentance, then they, then we, then you will lose What you have. Oh no, then you must not say that those children should not have been baptized in the first place. Because that would mean that you reject, that you refuse beforehand what God so graciously gives, what he gave to you in Christ Jesus, namely the covenant of grace. Rather, you must confess that the covenant calls for, oh yes, it demands covenantal obedience. See that that is what the multitude here in Jesus refuse to do. They refuse to render covenantal obedience, and we who are called to the obedience of the covenant, we must ask ourselves, where are we at? Where do we stand on this crucial question? Do we believe? Do we? Do you believe the whole word as has been given and proclaimed to you, to the church, to the children of God's covenant from Sunday to Sunday. Ah, the multitudes of Jesus' day were so very privileged. They could hear Jesus, the very Son of God, proclaim the word of life to them. And they could see his miraculous words. Many prophets and righteous people before them had longed to see what they saw and to hear what they heard, writes Matthew. But they, the multitudes, ah, they were cold to it. But against that background, the parable of the sower takes on a meaning. A power that moves beyond the surface storyline. The second point. We all know the story Jesus told, right? A farmer, he said, went out to sow some seed. You can imagine it was probably the spring of the year. That's when such things typically happen. But now, as that farmer was walking to his field, some of the grain fell along the path, probably a footpath running to or alongside of the field to be sown. Another part of the seed, said Jesus, fell in very shallow soil, soil that probably was smooth on top but rocky underneath. I once had a garden that very much fit that description A third part fell on ground that was covered with thorns. And finally, there's the seed that fell into good soil. You can see that happening, right? You can see, picture that farmer broadcasting the seed with firm, steady hand and arm. And you can also readily picture What happens to the seed. The seed that fell along the path fell on a hard surface. It didn't even have a chance to germinate. The birds came and ate it. The seed that fell on the rocky ground fell into shallow soil where usually seed germinates quickly especially if some rain falls and thereafter the sun shines. Such soil, because it is shallow, warms up quickly, which encourages germination and quick growth. But it is also true, plants grown in shallow soil can't take much heat prolonged hot weather will kill such plants because they are not able to put down strong, deep roots in the rocky ground. Then there is a seed that fell among the thorns. Such seed can typically grow for some time. But sooner or later, the weeds will outgrow the wheat and choke it to death. And finally, there's the seed that fell on good soil, which, because that soil was good, clean, deep soil, was able to produce a good crop. It produced grain, said Jesus, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Well, that much of the story... Everyone hearing Jesus could easily, readily understand. That wasn't difficult at all, you can be sure. But, but what they did not understand is the answer to this question. What was Jesus really saying to them by means of that story? And... And they never bothered to ask him. She had never dawned on them that Jesus was really talking about the word of God when he talked about that seed of the farmer. The seed is the word, said Jesus. Neither did they understand that Jesus talking about the soil, was really talking about the hearts of people, the hearts of those who heard the word. It never dawned on them that by talking about those soils, Jesus was really talking about them, about their acceptance of, about their response to the word that had been preached by him in their hearing. So it is a fact. The seed is the word of God. Well now, that seed, the word of God, That seed uncovers, uh, yes, it lays bare the secret of the kingdom of heaven. Moreover, we must remember it well. The sower in the parable is first and foremost Christ himself. And by extension, the sower is all those who are called by God to broadcast, to proclaim the word of the Lord today. In other words, the sower is the church. The sower is you who share in Christ's anointing, as we confess with Lord Day 12. Consider now the seed of the sower the seed he planned to sow oh yes you could if you could have taken a look at it it would have appeared to be very small very insignificant as a matter of fact you would probably have thought it was dead take a look at seed sometime. You would think it had no life, no life-giving power in it at all. It is dry, and it is hard, and it looks to be dead. But, But when that dry and hard seed is sown, then you know, I oh, yes, then you see that all along there was life in that seed. <coughs> then that life appears, then it springs forth. Well just so it is with the word of God. It too appears to be dead. You may have heard it. There are people who talk about the word preached as a dull thing, a dead thing, words and more words. But it is, in fact, full of life. It is the power of God unto salvation, says Paul in Romans chapter 1. Remember well. When the word is preached, when it is broadcast, then it always does something because it never returns empty to the Lord. That is, it never returns to the Lord without having accomplished that for which the Lord sent it. Isaiah had said it very clearly. It shall accomplish that which I, the Lord, purpose, and it shall succeed in the things which I sent it. Isaiah 55. But about what it does, does indeed depend also upon the soil. Oh, that, that is an awesome thing. People talk about church growth or the lack thereof. And surely that is a tremendously serious question. It is such a serious question, precisely because the seed, the Word of God, does not change. Think of it that seed, it always has its life giving quality. No matter where it is sown. But but whether it is able to come to fruit bearing, see that depends also upon the soil. But now that secret, that mystery of the kingdom, Christ now explains to his disciples. Remember, they had been with Jesus for a long time already. They had heard him preach with power. They had heard him preach the gospel, the kingdom of that kingdom of which he himself was the king. But the fact is, only a few people had actually become followers, disciples of Jesus. There really was little evidence... That his kingdom was actually growing. Surely, that was a disturbing thing for the disciples of Jesus. After all, it was Christ, the Son of God, who did the preaching. How then would it be pretty soon when they, the disciples of Jesus, would have to do the preaching? Surely, you would expect that Jesus would have more and better results, wouldn't you? The disciples simply didn't get it. Well now, the parable of the sower uncovers the secret. You see, it is true. Jesus, the Christ of God, had been preaching the word. And pretty soon the disciples would have to do the same thing. And many after them would be called to do just that. But, ah, but the results would not always be as the people might hope or expect or pray for. Why is that? The answer lies in the soil. See, there are at least four kinds of soil. That is, there are at least four kinds of listeners to the word preached. There are those whose hearts are as hard as stone. They don't receive. They don't accept. They don't want the word of the kingdom at all. Oh, yes, They don't want to hear about repentance because they will not. They refuse to think of themselves as sinners and all talk about a transformation of life or of a renewal of life or of a total surrender of life to Christ leaves them utterly cold. They refuse to let the word penetrate their hearts, their lives. So it is very easy for the evil one to come and snatch the seed, the word preached, away. Then there are those who do receive the word preached. As a matter of fact, they receive it with joy, says Jesus, such are the people who gladly accept the promises of the gospel. Oh yes, they find the gospel appealing and its promises rich and rewarding. But that the gospel also asks for self-denial and that it also means cross-bearing. See, that never entered their mind consequently when tribulation or persecution comes because of the word they fall away they never gave such a thing so much as a thought you see they were superficial Christians with a hallelujah there and a praise the Lord there they show a lot of promise But when the going gets rough, when things heat up a bit, then they wither and die. Because, you see, beneath a thin layer of soil, there was, there is, the rocky ground. So it is eventually revealed that such people were all along strictly concerned About themselves, God talk only interested them as long as they thought they might some might reap some benefits for the here and now. But their eyes, their lives, never focused on the glory of the Lord. Then there are in the third place those who hear the word. And it enters their heart, but but they never really give themselves wholeheartedly to the word. The heart of such people is divided because when all is said and done, they want to cling also to their earthly goods, their position and their possessions and their place here. They are very much concerned with the cares of this world. Ah, yes, questions of food and clothing, of peace and safety, of dress and hairstyle, of good times here and now. Such questions really consume them. And see... Those all-consuming concerns, those cares of this world, they act like weeds that choke off and kill the seed of the word. You may remember that Jesus had said before, you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't build your own little paradise here and expect a place in the paradise of God hereafter. Such a lifestyle will prove to be unfruitful for the kingdom of God. And then, yes, then there is also the good soil. There are those who hear the word and it takes hold on them and they they grasp hold ah yes they do it because it claims their whole being now there is nothing not the cares of this world not persecution not a desire for riches nothing nothing is able to snatch them away or to scorch, or to choke off the word of God alive in them. That word, it is a power in their lives, which directs their whole being to the service of the Lord. And they bear fruit, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundredfold. Well, such was the story Jesus told. And now, and now the question is, what about us, you and me? Certainly, you have understood that the first three types of listeners all stand condemned unless, uh, yes, unless they repent. Certainly, you have understood that only they who hear and do are blessed. You understand that all such are blessed because their life bears fruit in and for the kingdom of the Lord. We may well ask ourselves where is the fruit? What have I done? Whom have I served? To whom have I ministered? Who saw the power of the Lord living and active in me? I have heard the word of the Lord proclaimed for many, many years. What kind of listener have I been? Amen.